Hi, it's Michelle. Thank you for joining me for this segment of the Holy Spirit You Channel podcast. I'm beginning a series on wisdom, and uh, I think I'm going to title this segment Where Wisdom Begins. Where Wisdom Begins. And I'm going to start today in Second Chronicles 1. This is uh, where Solomon uh, begins his, his reign, or at least he is strengthened in his reign. In fact, in Solomon, Second uh, Chronicles 1, verse 1, says, And Solomon the son of David was strengthened in his kingdom, and the Lord his God was with him and magnified him exceedingly. Now skipping down to verse 7, it says in this night, now this is the night when um, Solomon has spoken to the congregation uh, that the Ark of David and, and everything was brought up um, and, and a, thousand, a thousand burnt offerings upon it. Now I'm not going to speak to the burnt offerings. This, the title of this series or the topic of this series is Where Wisdom Begins. Verse 7 says, In that night did God appear unto Solomon and said unto him, Ask what I shall give thee. Now, this is God approaching Solomon in, I don't know if it was a dream or if it was a manifestation, a visitation, doesn't matter. But the Lord has approached Solomon in some form because of Solomon's obedience and because of the offerings he uh, put before the Lord. And he comes in that night and and he appears before Solomon and he says unto him, Ask what I shall give to thee. Now, this is someone at this point, this is the son of David whose God has promised to honor for for all eternity. There shall always be someone on the throne of David. This is David's son. This is the son who has built the house that David sought to build for for, for for God. So God now comes to Solomon and says, ask what I could give give to you. Now, Solomon in this particular context technically could ask for anything he wants. If he were going to be puffed up, if he were going to be high-minded, if he were going to take for granted his father's legacy and, and the heritage that his father had left him, the inheritance in spirit, soul, and body, he could basically have asked the Lord for anything he wants. But let's read it. I'm in the King James, of course. Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 1, verse 7, and I'm going to read down to verse 12. In that night did God appear unto Solomon and said unto him, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said unto God, You have showed great mercy unto David my father, and have made me, or hast made me, have, hast made me to reign in his stead, instead of him, in his place. Verse 9, Now, O Lord, not just now, O Lord, O Lord God, Let your promise to my father be established, for you have made me king over a people, a people so numerous, he says, that they're like the dust of the earth in multitude. This is how countless, you can't count them. Can you count dust? No, you can't count dust. They're like the dust of the earth in multitude. Verse 10, give me now wisdom and knowledge, he says, that I may go out and come in before thy pe- this people, for who can judge this thy people that is so great? 
Now, he's asking the Lord, essentially, he's saying, show me how to lead. Give me the wisdom. It's your people. And I understand it's your people. And I want to honor my earthly father. But I also want to you honor you as my heavenly father. So I'm asking you to show me how to go out and to come in before this people, how to set the standard, how to be a model, how to uh, manage the disputes, how to set the standard, how to instruct them, how to lead them, how to guide them. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this by people that is so great? Verse 11, and God said to Solomon, because this was in your heart, because you understand that this isn't about you, because you understand that I'm the one that put you on the throne as king, because you understand that it's my people that you're leading, because you understand what I did for your father, because you understand that the only reason you're here is because of what your father did, your father's relationship with me. Because you recognize those things. Because you recognize how I worked in his life. Because you recognize the legacy you've been handed. Solomon, God said to Solomon, because that was in your heart, and you haven't asked me for riches, you haven't asked me for wealth. You haven't asked me for title or position or honor. You have not asked me to give you the life of your enemies. You haven't asked me for long life. Mind you, all of these things pertain to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful proud of life, pride of life. But you have asked wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may judge my people, saith the Lord, over whom I have made thee king. Verse 12, wisdom and knowledge is granted to you, and I will give you riches. I will give you wealth and honor such as none of the kings have had that have been before you, neither shall there be any after thee that have the like. I need you to see what's happening here. Why we don't see it, I don't know. Some key things to remember, that Solomon could have very easily have been entitled, could have a sense of entitlement. David spent time teaching his son. David handed his legacy over to his son, the legacy of the Lord the legacy of the exploits and the relationship, the exploits he had done in the Lord, the, what the Lord had done to him, but not only that, who the Lord is to him. David had instructed his son. Solomon was born into it. So he could have very easily felt a sense of entitlement. Well, you, you know, you've done all these great things for my dad. You've said there's always going to be someone on the throne of David. Of course, the someone for eternity is Jesus. But nonetheless, Solomon is sitting in, in, on the throne in David's stead. And so the way that Solomon starts this is he says, let me talk about the legacy of the relationship you had with my father. Let me talk about that first. Let me honor what you did. Let me remember. 
that relationship, that legacy, what I have inherited. And so he does that in verse 8. And he said, now let that promise, which you promised to my dad, let that now be established, O God. In verse 9. In verse 10, he says, and in order for that to be established, I need wisdom. And I need knowledge because who can, this is a, this is a lot, it, but it's your people. And because I recognize not just what you've done in and through my father's life, not just what you've done in, in and through my life up to this point, but this is your people. How can I know about your people without your wisdom and your knowledge? So that's what I need. If your promise is to be established on the throne of David, which I now sit upon, I need you to show me what to do. I need you to lead me just as he led his father. The Lord is my shepherd. And so he's saying, I need wisdom, not my wisdom, not my knowledge. I need yours. This is your people. You know what they're supposed to do. You know what I'm supposed to do. The recognition that everything we are and everything we do is God's, even if we use it poorly. Even if we sin, we're sinning using the Lord's power. I talked about this a little bit in another segment where I said, even if you steal electricity or power from the power company to get light, it's, you're still taking it from the, you, you might have light, but you're still getting it from the same source. The Bible says to everyone is given a measure of faith. The Bible says when God formed Adam, he breathed and made him a living soul. That means that we all are operating on the breath of God, even if we are not doing what we are supposed to do. But Solomon recognizes some things, that he didn't just come into this, that there was a legacy, there was an inheritance. And that inheritance involved his relationship, the father, God's relationship with his own earthly father, David. And he said, let that now be established because my dad taught me. My dad told me. And I recognize the responsibility, the weightiness of this. I don't take it for granted. I know that you are God of gods, Lord of lords, king of kings. So I need you to be my king. I need you to be my God. I need you to be my Lord. I need you to lead me the way you led my father. I need you to show me how to be a model, to be a king to this, your people. The recognition that it's not his. The throne isn't his. The people aren't his. The legacy's not his. If we could get this today, I promise you the church would actually be the church and not something that we're calling the church. He does not ask anything for himself. Now, does he have challenges later? Of course he does. He does fall into some traps, as we all know. But he didn't ask of God anything out of entitlement. Because this was in your heart, verse 11, and not riches. 
not wealth, not honor. You haven't asked me to give you your enemies, the life of your enemies. You haven't asked me for long life, but you've asked me for wisdom and knowledge so that you can judge what's mine, so that you can do right by me concerning what's mine. We are kings and priests. We need to take a mess. We need to take a lesson. Because this is Old Testament, of course. But if we are kings in the New Testament, what makes us any different than Solomon? I'm going to tell you what. Unless we're asking for wisdom and knowledge to judge rightly what is God's, understanding that we have no entitlement to anything. It's his life. It's his throne. It's his people. And by the Spirit of God, we need to be asking for wisdom and knowledge to know how to rightly go out and come in before his people. Watch what happens. He says, not only am I going to give you wisdom and knowledge, but I'm going to ask you all of the other things that you didn't ask for. Wisdom and knowledge have I granted thee. Is So in that moment, when Solomon asked, it was granted. And then he says, I will give you riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had that have been before thee, neither shall there be any after thee that have the like. Let's get it straight. The life that we have, and listen to my series and my messages on the cross and the exchange, and if we don't make the exchange, then we have no life in Christ. You don't get to keep your life and take his. You don't superimpose the life of Christ on top of yours. It's an exchange. That's a little side note. But let's understand what has happened. Seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness. The kingdom is embodied in Christ. It doesn't say the kingdom and its righteousness. So the kingdom is not an object. The kingdom is a person. Christ embodies the kingdom. Christ is the kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness, and everything else gets added. That's what happened right here. Solomon sought first the kingdom, the king, God, in and through Christ. At the time, Christ is not manifested, but Christ is implied. Christ is here. Not manifested, but he's there. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. So where God is invoked, Jesus Christ, by the power of Holy Spirit, is also present. So this is classic, verse 10, seek ye first the kingdom. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this, your people? Not my people. Not your people. That was to you and to me. Solomon is talking to God. Who can judge this? Thy, O God, your people, O Lord God. That is so great. Solomon doesn't try to decide who's who and what's what. He said, who can judge them except you? I don't even know them all, to be honest. But he sought first the kingdom. And guess what? Everything else got added. 
Did Solomon live a sinless life? No, he did not. But he sought the Lord. Right? He sought the Lord. He started his reign seeking the Lord, and so the Lord was able to add him because his heart, add to him because his heart was right. His heart was in the right place. We want everything but God. And then we want to say, oh, God, bless what I'm doing. That's not how it works. Seek ye first the kingdom. This is what's happening in, in, in Second Chronicles. Not only here, and, and I'll do some more in, in some other segments, but this is the one that I'm, that I'm working with right now. Second Chronicles 1, 7 through 12. Everything else got added. The problem with us, with the New Testament, New Covenant Christian, is that even under grace, having had the cross, Jesus go to the cross, the cross be manifested in our lives, Jesus Christ was crucified, dead, was buried, Holy Spirit is poured out, and we still don't seek the Lord first. We still, we think we're entitled to something, particularly in Western culture. But nothing has changed. Jesus Christ is saying, yesterday, today, and forever, what's changed? Nothing, there's nothing new under the sun. Seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness. The problem with us is that we want to use our faith for things he said he would add. Why? Because we don't want to seek the kingdom first. He, he says, I'm going to add it to you. He showed it to us. He says, because you ask for wisdom and knowledge. We want to ask for everything but wisdom and knowledge. But the Lord is going to honor himself. When he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. He doesn't change the rules for you, and he doesn't change the rules for me. And he's going to hold us accountable. Even at moments when I question, Lord, are you holding anything or anyone accountable? I know I get held accountable. But he doesn't change. He makes the call. He makes the decision. We can act like we're fooling him or that we are entitled to something, but at some point, it's all going to come down to when I stand before the Lord, whether that's in this life or in the life to, in the life to come, he's going to ask me what I sought first, what I did with what he gave me. And the fact of the matter is, if I'm breathing, it belongs to him. Even the very breath he put in my body. Even the very breath he put in your body. We have control of nothing. Seek ye first the kingdom. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. The awesome reverence. Not I'm terrified of God. That's not a relationship. But I have to be in awesome reverent fear. I have to understand that he's sovereign. I have to understand and believe if I, am a, if I say I'm a Christian, and I better believe he created me and everybody else, that when he went to the cross, it was he died once for all. Seek ye first the kingdom. Give me wisdom and knowledge to know how to go out and to come in before this people. That means if we're acting a fool, we haven't sought wisdom and knowledge. 
So I want to encourage us today, first of all, go back and read your Bible. Okay. Stop talking about this is the inerrant uh, authority of the Lord God and you haven't cracked, cracked it open in even a week, much less months or years. Stop walking around quoting scripture that you memorize but that you won't live. So I'm going to read this again. In that night did God appear into Solomon, Second Chronicles. King James, 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 7. In that night did God appear unto Solomon and said unto him, Ask what I shall give you. How many of us want the Lord coming to us asking us, what, what shall he give us? But who would know what to ask? We would ask for something like a check or a car. We missed the point. And Solomon said unto God, you have showed. He did a remembrance. This is why God tells us to remember. Remember what I did. Maybe not for you, but for someone in your lineage. Remember what I did for your father. Remember what I did for your family. Remember how I brought you out. Remember, remembrance should be the basis of every prayer, every ask. And Solomon said, you have showed great mercy to David, my father, and has made me to reign in his stead. So there also is the relationship between the father, the earthly father and the son. He saw the relationship Solomon saw, his dad's relationship with God. And so now because he was able to see that and because the father took time to show him that, David took time to walk Solomon through that. Now Solomon knows what to do now that David is no longer there. Train them up in the way that they shall go and they, sh- they shall not depart from it. Now, O Lord God, let your promise unto David my father be established. If he didn't know the promise, then he wouldn't have known what to ask. For that you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this your people that is so great? And God said to Solomon, because this was in your heart and you have not asked riches, you have not asked wealth or honor, you haven't asked for the life of your enemies, neither have you asked for long life, but you have asked wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king. Two things, it's his people and he made him king. The Lord is making a point there. You didn't make yourself king and it's not your people. I am entrusting the people to you as I make you king. I put you on the throne and I put them before you. Verse 12, wisdom and knowledge is granted to you. Wisdom and knowledge is. So in that moment, he got that. Then he says, and I will give thee. Riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had that have been before you, including your father, neither shall there any after thee have the like. We need to repent. We need to read the Bible, not memorize it. We need to read it and live it. We need to seek the Lord in all his glory, all his holiness, all his wisdom, all his honor all of his knowledge, because whatever or whomever he has entrusted to us, it is still his. 
and he has put us in the places he has put us. We are not entitled to anything. If anything, he has put us in places to test to see how we're going to behave. But don't get it twisted. He will hold us accountable, publicly and or privately, or I should say privately and or publicly if necessary. Seek ye first the kingdom. Where does wisdom begin? Wisdom begins when we recognize that in the Lord we have no entitlement, that we don't have anything on our own, that we don't control anything. Even if he lets us think that, he's still going to hold us accountable for thinking it because our hearts should be. Let that promise be established. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this your people, God, that is so great? That is all of his people. It doesn't matter how many. We're king of kings. He's the king of kings, but we're kings and priests under the new, under the new covenant. That means wherever we are, there's a kingly mantle that sits on us. And what's being tested is not the amount of power or perceived power we can exert over others. What is being tested is our heart before the Lord concerning who he has entrusted to us and concerning those who he has us go out and come in before. What standard are we setting? My name is Michelle. We need to repent. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.